This podcast may contain some spoilers about the film we're going to talk about and also some bad words and foul language. Sorry, Mum. Hello and welcome to what is, I believe, episode five of What a Load of Rank. Um, this is our film podcast. I'm Ed Cunningham. I'm joined by Hamish Douglas. Hello. Jim Stretton. Hello, everybody. And always the gorgeous Garen Harry. Hello. <laughs> I like that sexy voice. It's staying. Um, <laughs> if you <laughs> yes, this is the podcast where we suggest films for each other. We then talk about them and then we rank them. Some of films are great and they'll get a hundred out of a hundred. Some films are bad and they might even get one out of a hundred. Some films somehow get both a hundred and one. I don't know how that happens, but sometimes it does. <laughs> this week. Um, uh, it was Hamish's choice and he chose a 2018 film Thunder Road Um, this film was directed by Jim Cummings written by Jim Cummings starring Jim Cummings as the character Jim Uh, Hamish do you want to start us off with uh, setting up the scenario of this film for us yeah Um, so as Eddie said this is all this was the the baby of uh, Jim Cummings. He wrote it, starred in it, and directed it. I think he was also an executive producer on the movie. Um, it started off as a short movie for Sundance Festival, um, which ended up winning uh, their award for uh, short films, and it then went on to win a load of other awards. Um, it was made on a micro-budget uh, of 200000 uh dollars or uh, is this dollars or pounds i think two hundred thousand pounds um and went on to win uh loads more awards um it tells the story of uh jim not our jim but uh a, a, a different jim there's, a, there's more than one of us in the world <laughs> yeah. uh, a police officer whose mum has just died and uh the opening scene is we see Jim break down, giving a eulogy um, at her funeral. And from then on, things sort of spiral out of control for him as he becomes more and more unstable. And we see the character go on this uh, emotional journey of grief and uh, loss. And yeah. Yeah, I think it's 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 important to uh, mention the fact of, as you say, it's on a micro budget. So is, you know, one of these indie films and it definitely has that kind of low budget indie film kind of vibe. Um, let's start off with that opening monologue, because it kind of drives, as you say, Hamish, kind of drives the whole the rest of the film. Yeah. Um, it's it's actually one take of I think about 12 minutes I, I counted of him doing this monologue. Um, which I it's it's an impressive monologue. I don't know how Jim, if you want to, you know, yeah. how, how did you feel about, uh, about yeah, the I loved it. This film? Uh, that was, it was my favourite part of the film, um, and I gen- generally really enjoyed the fact that it was one take because you know it's it sort of felt natural uh, in the way that he was doing it, uh, performing it. Uh, I liked the way that he would go off on uh, one point and then have some a weird tangent. It reminded me a lot of myself, to be fair. Um, if I start a point and then I'll just be either throwing in a little joke or throwing in a different uh, thing in, entirely. Um, and I really enjoyed that that first section. And, um, and Hamish alluded to it earlier, that the short film. Uh, I actually watched the short film after watching this film. And it's just an um, earlier version of that first 12 minutes um, with, di- uh, with a few different actors. Uh, but the general gist is the same. Uh, near enough word for word uh he uh, i think it's a little bit longer uh but i definitely preferred the one that was in the 2018 version the full length version um but yeah as opening monologues go it's really good yeah i think it does a really good job of setting up the the tone of the film and the sort of uh, the main themes of it, of grief and stuff um garen do you reckon if you were griefing you'd break down into into dancing to one of bruce springsteen's uh, seminal tracks I'm always looking for an excuse to dance, and whether it's a funeral or uh, anywhere else at a wedding, as long as there's a crowd, I'm happy. 
but no, exactly. It is a very, very. It was a great introduction to this character, and it was such a touching scene, and it found that sort of balance well, which uh, for the rest of the film, uh, this was seen where, where it's a balance between comedy and sort of tragedy. You've got this horrible, horrible, sad topic, but yet there are some quite light moments and quite sort of uh, uh, endearing moments from the character. And uh, I, I wouldn't just, necessarily uh, call them. Sorry, when it's scoring light moments, I think the the comedy is is quite dark, isn't it? It's, no, that's it, it's it's a dark comedy, but I'm saying that it, it it does give you a little bit of a breath, like oh, okay, haha. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but I I want to talk more about the comedy later because uh, I, I feel that uh, it, the comedy in this film really does serve a good uh, a good purpose. Yeah, I think out of all the ones we've done so far, obviously we've done four films before this. I think this is uh, uh, the one I laughed the most at. Um, despite the fact that it's, you know, one of the ones with uh, sort of the most tragic uh, subject matter. Um, I just want to uh, mention, uh, there were a few names that I wrote down uh, that he mentions in the, that opening monologue. Um, John Wayne, Thomas Jefferson, and of course, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, the reason I want to mention them, because I feel like a lot of this, one of the big themes that this film deals with is this idea of masculinity and especially American masculinity and I think those three uh, figures are are hugely kind of like in the seeped into American history of what it is to be a man yeah I think it's it yeah it's it's all to do with this kind of this guy's idea of uh, strong men and the fact that he is a police officer as well um he's obviously got this idea of what it is to be a strong guy a strong dad um and seeing this guy's entire life fall apart um and him really having to for probably the first time in his life have to kind of the floodgates are open for emotion for him and seeing him just deal really really badly with all the things going on in his life and making all these terrible decisions um it's it's so uh relatable um and it everyone if you've not been through that yourself you know someone who's been through this kind of stuff and people who struggle to talk about their emotions and it is it's just a really intimate uh movie and a really intimate look into mental health and i think especially men's mental health and uh sort of men and expression and emotions and everything else um just really really well done and that opening scene i think we should say is uh just a bit of context it's him giving a eulogy as we said um and at the end of the scene because his mum the his mum who died she was a dance choreographer so the scene ends with him doing a dance sequence that he thinks she would have liked, but he hasn't got the music to play, so he has to do it <laughs> completely silently, which is really awkward. And that ends up being filmed by someone at the funeral, which comes into play later on in the movie. Yeah. Jim, you go ahead. Uh, just a quick note on the um, the opening section. I really enjoyed how you couldn't, you, you were only seeing Jim's face. You were never seeing anyone, anyone's reactions really in the audience. Maybe one or two later on, but it was a good uh, eight odd minutes where you're just looking at him, um, just almost cringing a little bit in our in our heads, being like, "If we were that person, what would we be doing?" Um, and I really enjoyed that, and I think that added to the humour. It's it's a great window to the soul, isn't it? Really, just just having that right on his face the entire twelve minutes. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd like to say there are there are a number of monologues throughout this whole film, and almost all of them are exclusively shot um, at 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 the, at the character Jim, and kind, uh, which is uh, I think a really good way of um, as a, yeah focusing on this character and letting your mind kind of be the audience and imagine what other people's reactions to it because you can see him sort of reacting to the, whoever he's talking to, but you never actually see that character. It's all just focus on him, and it's usually one take. Hamish. They all yeah, as as you said, all there's lots of monologues in this movie from the uh, from Jim and they all follow this same kind of structure where it's you got these moments of stillness where it's it's of his face and then 
then the camera kind of switches to this dynamic tracking shot when he where he's whenever he starts to sort of lose control a little bit and it's this it just it's really unnerving uh when it does that and it has this amazing effect of kind of it very much feels like the camera is reflecting him going off the rails and it's never it's never something anything kind of um expected it's sometimes it's him getting from a prone position to standing up and then you've got these kind of weird angles that kind of reflect where he is and it's 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 always it feels almost a little bit kind of a little bit um what's the word lucid or kind of bit dreamlike there's something there's a dreamlike kind of quality i think when he when those dynamic tracking shots come into play um and it just really works really well yeah i think the 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 idea of all all the oneers in it definitely keeps you engaged and feel makes you feel like you're kind of there i think um Scorsese and uh, Spielberg would uh, like the amount of uh, one takes that are, are in this film. Um, I, I I don't think it's the uh, the the longest sort of uh, funeral sort of monologue though. Is it is it Bojack Horseman's one slightly longer? <laughs> I've actually got that uh, I've got that note written down. I didn't know whether to bring it up or not. I said, Jim's, Jim's usually the one with the stats. Come on, Head, what are you right. doing? <laughs> no, nothing to do with Bojack Horseman. I, I can say that that's not one of my notes. Go on. Yeah, it, it did make me remind that if, if anybody's a Bojack Horseman fan, there is a episode called Episode called Free Churro where he gives a eulogy at uh, at his mother's funeral, and it is the whole episode, what twenty thirty minutes so of this guy talking. Um, and so yeah, I was definitely getting flashbacks to that. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think just the, the, the opening of the film, I think it just it's probably the best bit of the film, and it just mm. really it, it immediately gets you into it and gets you into the kind of the the subject matter and the feel of it and and the groove as it were um yeah in terms of this idea of masculinity and being vulnerable i think that that was for me at least i mean we are four guys probably four four more sensitive guys actually you know we we all did drama at university and this i but i think it's still prevalent this sort of idea of men uh, holding back and refusing to be vulnerable uh, a lot of the times. Hamish, how do you feel about that? I think I think a lot of it's it's about this uh, this guy who is sort of struggling to find a way for expression. And throughout the movie, we see him. Uh, I think it's judo that he's doing, um, and there's bits of him dancing and his his outbursts. There's also a bit of him doing magic tricks. I think these are all kind of scenes showing that this really emotionally stunted guy who's desperately trying to express himself in any way other than actually confronting his own shit and and dealing with the, the problems in a healthy way. Um, and... Yeah, it's it's interesting that if you I don't know if you noticed, but all the cops, all his cop mates, they all have mustaches. <laughs> I, I, I think that was a I think that was a kind of important thing. It was it was sort of about he's grown up in this kind of middle America town, and all his all his work buddies are exactly the same. And uh, yeah, it's it's about these guys who are kind of really trapped in a kind of repressive. Uh, state of minds and jobs and yeah i i actually went through and uh, counted the mustaches that i came across like it was about six six or seven with the uh with, with all the police guys and that one scene after the funeral just uh <laughs> yeah his um his uh, best mate though who plays quite an integral part in this film nate he doesn't have a mustache though does he and he does but he i suppose does, does he yeah, yeah oh, okay. it's, very, it's a slight one it's a very faint, faint, faint yeah. mustache yeah, yeah yeah well maybe that you know he is, you know, uh, not as touched as uh, in that world of masculinity as as the rest of them. Yeah, he's a lot more kind of emotionally healthy than the other the other characters in it. Sure. Yeah. Just going off what um, uh, Hamish was uh, was saying just now about uh, this sort of stigma around men's mental health, the way he's expressing it. It's interesting as well to look at the uh, the characters' relationships throughout the film and uh, other people's reactions to his breakdown and uh, the events that are happening. Going back to the funeral scene, immediately we've got someone filming his breakdown, his his little dance in front of everyone, 
and uh, as uh, I think someone said, uh, this is used against him uh, further on in the film. Uh, you've looking at the relationship with uh, his uh, his ex-wife, his sister, his police captain, even his best friend for the first uh, part of the film. There is not a lot of dialogue. There is not a, share, a lot of sharing, and uh, there's a lot of this sense of you know just tough it up, keep going, move on. That uh, that I think really really hits hard. Jim, um, yeah, um, I I thought uh, I agree with all your all your points. Um, the, the the words or the sentence that jumped out to me was after he'd been told to go to his seat by the um, the reverend, uh, female reverend. I don't know what the, her official title is. Uh, that or the person that's organising the funeral from the front um, has told the, uh, him to sit down with his girl that's crying, and she goes, uh, "Everyone remember that everyone grieves differently." Um, so that's almost like stop laughing. Um, that's his way of dealing with it. Other people's ways of dealing with it may have been to get a phone out and try and make a humour out of it. The um, ex-wife's was to just sit there and think, oh, one arsehole Jim is. Um, but I thought it was a really touching thing that um, was, was put in and, and, and kept in it with uh, everyone. I, 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 often th- I often feel on this podcast uh, that I, th- I think what an arsehole Jim is. Mm. Um, hey, Mr. do you want to go ahead? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that whole scene is kind of, and a lot of the scenes show that there's this guy who, and he plays it really well. He plays this guy who's really kind of off put in and you do feel in scene to scene, you'd think this is a bad guy, but with the whole movie and with the whole context of this guy's life, you start to really feel sorry for him. Um, and the funeral scene, the opening scene is a really good kind of uh, example of how he's not being supported. You're seeing this guy break down and you've got, one of I'm assuming his family members or friends recording him, um, not being spoiled at all. And mm. I was just I, I read an interview with Jim Cummings, the guy who made this. So he spent uh, he spent quite a few years uh, writing for College Humor on YouTube, but he's also um, sort of a big Reddit guy. And he he made this movie or this this short movie, and then subsequently the the feature length movie based on uh, the public freakout section of Reddit. Um, mm. <clears throat> which really, once you have that in your mind, it really comes across. And it, it kind of may, makes you revalue maybe enjoying these videos so much. These videos of people completely breaking down and no matter how deplorable or how horrible they're being, there is something going on in their lives to yeah. make them freak out in this way. Um, and I just wanted, this is a quick uh, quote I've got here uh, from a from a review which i think sums it up quite nicely um it feels like a convergence of internet meme culture and a change in compass in american values as it explores issues related to police brutality the opioid crisis and the patriarchy it examines the personal damage of viral humiliation and cyclical violence without being overtly about internet culture cummins's background and understanding of how online communities operate and propagate ideas make Thunder Road one of the most culturally and politically reflective films of the year. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's a fair assessment of it. So yeah, that, that, um, that video uh, that's taken of, of, of his eulogy at, um, at the funeral uh, comes back to bite him in the, later on in the film when he's trying to uh, gain shared custody of his daughter. And um, without getting too red pill about this, uh, I think it's 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 a kind of it is a kind of comment I think on um, men's kind of role in that kind of scenario in the fact that they have a they are starting on the back foot in those scenarios um, where he it ends up that he he doesn't he loses comp- all custody of it and uh, there's there's no there's sort of no question of it and and even when he's when his lawyer comes and she asks, "Oh, what do you want?" and he's, "Do you want sole custody?" and he says, "No, of of course not. He he just wants share custody." And sort of, she's like, "Well, okay." I think I think that just kind of sort of encapsulates that feeling, perhaps of uh, uh, where men are are not being able to be as heard in that kind of society. Jim? Yeah, I think going on from your point, um, his relationship with his ex-wife is, um, or the way that he views her, uh, is is very am- uh, I as a viewer very amicably because uh, he's although there is one scene where he wants her to get hit by a train, 
But if we skip <laughs> over that bit, uh, he only wants what's best for uh, his daughter. And at not, not one point did he ever say that his wife wouldn't be the best mother for the, the, the little girl, Crystal. Um, she's all, he's always saying that she, um, she's better with her mum and the, the mum loves her. And, and well, spo- spoiler alert, probably it wasn't the best decision for her to stay with the mum. Um, but um, either way, uh, he I, I find it really nice that this woman that's trying to take away the only real thing that he has left, uh, he still views her in a way that uh, that's best for the child, really. Well, I think I think part of it is that <clears throat> he their their relationship is obviously toxic, and there's no there's no saving their relationship um, on both sides because she's really mean and emasculating to him, and he's pretty horrible to her as well. Um, but yeah, he does put that aside because he and quite like Jim said, quite a few points in the movie, I think he does openly say like, "Well, she's a good mother." Like, she just yeah. we just didn't work out basically. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah I think uh, all good points. So, uh, why don't we um, we sort of delved very quickly into sort of the uh, the sort of muddy waters of this film. Um, but as we said, sort of at the beginning of this, this is it's a funny film as well. There's some really good laughs that I oh, uh, so many good I, I, Garen, you you said you had uh, a few things to say about that when you when you start us off. Yeah, so the uh, the comedy of this film, I find toes this really good line between, um, uh, of course, it is really funny scenes and things like that. But when you think of the settings, once you think of the circumstances, you feel kind of bad about laughing at this character. And you kind of feel a bit part of the problem that you're laughing at this breakdown or things like that. Uh, I, I certainly did, anyway. Uh, but yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. From 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 start to finish, there are some great, great moments. Uh, I'm just quickly scanning through my notes now yeah. just to find an example. Hamish, hey, Hamish, hey, do you think you're slick? <laughs> <laughs> uh, his this is this is the thing. So yeah, in the movie, he describes kind of uh, he describes some teenagers as slick, and he calls he, he uses that word a few times. Um, and it's to do with him kind of being this this outcast. He's not very good with people, but in fact, he's pretty terrible talking to people. And he's sort of almost borderline, maybe maybe Aspergers in some ways. He, I think he kind of he seems to uh, he seems to have some real se- serious issues with kind of uh, social interactions and dealing with situations that might be. Uh, emotionally complicated um i don't know if that was the intention um but yeah there are some really funny bits and you see in a lot of his monologues like jim said earlier him interrupting himself uh and sort of disrupting his own train of thought um and I, it, those bits are they're just so funny like there's a bit in the middle of his eulogy where he's talking about uh the college he went to and then he just suddenly says something like go tigers <laughs> and yeah. it's really fucking awkward um and then he also spits in the middle of his eulogy as well because he's he's having a panic attack and it's just like oh dude yeah, <laughs> yeah that that moment in the eulogy where uh, he's trying to get the music to work it's just <laughs> it's it's both heart he's 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 trying to get this song to play that you can dance to and this uh, stereo he's brought in is just not working and it's it's just so heartbreaking but also just so funny at the same time and and i think i think i think that's a, a, a another big thing i took away is just the way it straddles that line uh, so so well uh jim did you find this funny now i will play devil's advocate okay um there are bits of this film that I found very funny. The start bit, um, I laughed, uh, like we've mentioned here with the spitting and uh, Go Titans or whatever it was. Uh, I chuckled, but at no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a controversial thing. After that scene, I didn't laugh once. Now whether that's because I was feeling for him in a uh, mentally uh, in a mental health way, but my my type of humour and I love comedy. You put me in a room with a comedy, that's fine, right? <laughs> to see this film rated ninety-eight percent and a comedy, I thought it's going to be such. A, this is going to be such a Jim film, especially with the character called Jim. I was like, I, I am getting a store con. This is amazing. Um, but, <laughs> but I just, I was, I was left a little bit disappointed. 
I was really left disappointed. It didn't it didn't tickle my humour, unfortunately. Uh, everyone's got their own humour. Um, well, let's 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 be honest, Jim. You you your favourite film was The Love Guru, and I'm not sure that kind of uh, humour. I wouldn't is, say I know is... it was it was a running joke in the university <laughs> that my favourite film was Love Guru. It isn't. I do like Love Guru. It's, it's it is the it is the film that I can put on uh, on a hungover Sunday, um, and be able to watch all the time. Uh, very different, silly humour. I think that's my my thing. Silly humour. Um, well, it, yeah, it's it's more subtle the 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 humour in this film. It's uh, you know, as as Garen said when he started this, it's it's sort of humour that seeped in tragedy and just uh, embarrassment. And I yeah, it's almost like cringe humour, almost like the the, the Office or or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, you you sort of uh, cringing, uh, and that makes that makes you chuckle. But some of the issues that go on throughout the piece. And granted, they are uh, quite deep-rooted issues that aren't me- meant to make you laugh. But to say that they they were comic, I I I just I missed I missed the the joke on a lot of them. Garen, did you miss the joke? No, I I, I thought there were some really good. Like I said earlier, there are some bits that make you feel bad for laughing, and I think that is something that maybe Jim sort of tapped into that. Uh, you, there are there are jokes in this. You feel a bit bad for laughing, uh, but for me, there are there are just too many too many good moment, just, moments. N- name name an instant, just out of curiosity. Uh, so the uh, the one that comes to mind is uh, during his sort of breakdown, and we're skipping ahead again to the very very end of the film, and uh, the uh, so the character's having a breakdown, and he says, "What does he say?" He says, uh, "I slept in my car f- for two weeks." in the parking lot and none of you notice. And then one of the guys, like police guys you're shouting at in the background just goes, I brought you lunch. And he's like, yeah, I appreciate that. But right now, fuck you. <laughs> that <was great>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so that, that's, that's a scene where I think all the culmination of all this bad thing, like I felt almost like this film was, um, uh, Oh, what's that? Uh, Christmas film. It's a wonderful life. Oh, um, oh your favorite just, film that we all hated. Where all, all these, uh, horrible. Oh, what do you mean? Hate that film? We we. But do you remember we we had a vote on what Christmas film we were going to watch, and it was between Die Hard and It's a Wonderful Life, and we sat through three hours of the most depressing shit ever for five minutes. Oh, I minutes remember that. Yeah. Just, mm. oh, oh, come oh, on now. It's fun. wonderful life. I mean, I I don't want to make this podcast about another film, but It's a Wonderful Life is a great. Everyone film. I've uplifting. ever spoken to, <laughs> apart from you, hates that film, Eddie. I do not enjoy that movie. I have to say. Right. Uh, well. Okay. Well, I've got an idea for what my my next choice is. <laughs> I would have had so a wonderful anyway. life if I hadn't watched that film. Is what we're trying to say. <laughs> we're a little you guys, bit Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> oh, you guys are such scrooges. Anyway, so like that film, uh, this guy is, just gets shit thrown at him constantly, and the the scene you're you're talking about, Garen, is a culmination of that all that where his mum has died. He's uh, he's going through a divorce with his ex-wife, uh, and uh, he's just lost complete lost all custody of his child. And he goes and he goes to confront his uh, best mate Nate about the lawyer that he's Jess and all these other things. And this video which Nate said that he got rid of, but obviously came back to haunt him. And he has his complete. I mean, the the, the biggest breakdown of the film outside the police station, where he's ends up naked and his even his underwear is like ripped and he's, he's just shouting <laughs> fuck you to everyone. And, you know, to be honest, I just, I just thought, wouldn't that be so liberating? So liberating just to tell everyone at your work to go fucking shove it. Um, well, I think, I think it is, I mean, it is kind of liberating for him, uh, but it is also, it's him kind of, it's him, it's him shedding this lifestyle, which has been inhibiting him. Um, and being around these guys who probably aren't the healthiest bunch to be around. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about his kind of his career as a cop and what we see in the movie of, of him being a cop. And I don't know about you guys. I thought it had a fairly kind of uh, slightly anti anti kind of police message, not an overtly kind of anti police message, but it was it seemed to deal with police's uh ineptitude in dealing with mental health uh situations because yeah. there's 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 a couple of examples where at the beginning of the movie he uh 
that he him and his partner get called to deal with this um guy who i think is schizophrenic or something and he's talking this guy's raving to himself in the middle of a parking lot and they handle it really badly they end up just tackling this guy to the ground um and there's another scene as well where they enter a dino and this guy ends up uh killing himself when uh when they're not around and it kind of really shocks both the police officers um but also shocks them because they they weren't able to deal with this and i think it is a comment on police not being trained well enough in mental health and then you see that again the third time when he has his breakdown and all these officers just let him get stripped in the middle of a parking lot without actually comforting him or trying to help him at any point yeah, if we, if, we, if we go back to that uh, uh, that first scene you were talking about with uh, when they called and they've got this homeless man who obviously has mental health issues and is is uh, visibly upset. He's shouting. Uh, how he many police? Were... Yeah, <laughs> he threw soup at them. Uh, how many? How many police were called to this? It was it was a good number. They were about three, four cars were called. In the end, like Hamish says, it ends up with them tackling him. The man's not a danger to anyone. The man's just wandering around having a bit of a shout. Uh, <laughs> it just it just seems like a really heavy-handed approach to this. I th- no, I think I think Hamish is right to comment. It's a, there are statements uh, shown about um, the police force, and particularly I think uh, small-town America police forces about them being undertrained, about them being um, ov- overly aggressive, and being a bit inept. I I tell you what, I don't know if anyone can shed a light on this. There's a couple of mentions throughout the film that Jim has been decorated as as a police officer, and it's it's sort of said throughout, but never really sort of explored. I don't know if anybody has any knowledge about that at all. There's one where he talks. There's he talks about he's got a decoration for being uh, a marksman or something. So he's he's good with a gun, basically. Is that sort of saying that he has probably killed someone? No, I don't or... think I don't think it's saying that. I think it just I think it just means that he's he's played he's played life by the rules essentially, and uh, now things are falling apart from. I think I think that I don't I don't know if that was necessarily important. It was just a kind of a comment on, you know, things can go right for you. You can do all the right things, and then things can still go wrong. It, it shows a kind of lack of support as well from from his 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 work uh, because. Uh, he's, he says he's the most decorated person in the in the squad. He um, uh, he's obviously a value to them. He was he's great great friends with this other uh, his partner, this other cop, and uh, for them to treat him that way, for him to not offer that much support, there is is, is it always seems like his work is giving him the shoulder, the cold shoulder whenever he even remotely bridges the idea of him struggling or, or having issues with his mental health yeah i think it's it's uh, uh, early suggested that idea where he uh comes straight from his mother's funeral into uh to his best friend nate and then he sort of says he's fine and then a little bit later he he admits that he's not dealing with it so well um and nate, nate i think is the only sort of uh redeeming character that you really find in this in this in that he is he's c- just almost a- Go on, go ahead, Well, yeah, he's just that supportive friend. And I think in his own way, he is also kind of... He doesn't know how to deal with it. I mean, his sort of... I, I watched this with my my brother um, first time in the scene when, like, uh, he comes around. His, Nate's kind of support for him is, oh, we should we should have some drinks and get through this, which is not the most emotionally healthiest thing to do if your friend is in a crisis is get drunk with them but it kind of works and it's uh it's a it's an emotional scene and it's it's it is a nice scene but it's still not it there's still a uh what's the word uh there's still something wrong with that that way in which they kind of deal with it mm. yeah it, it, it i suppose it's supposed it's like you know if, if it was a female relationship there'll be sort of no barriers and sort of they'd sort of talk about it but in order for men to talk about that, you have to break down that relationship with a, with yeah, a bit of alcohol. Yeah, re- they get really drunk and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jim, do you want to go ahead? Uh, yeah, so uh, when Nate comes round, um, they have some sort of uh, cheap Jack Daniels whiskey. It's so clearly Jack Daniels, but they haven't got the rights to it. It was something like, 
John Daniels <laughs> yeah. or some shit like that. Um, and then um, go and smoke a Jim cigar. Jim Daniels. Yeah. Um, then smoke a cigar in the garden and play some baseball. Um, and whiskey and cigars make, uh, makes me think back to a, a time where us four had uh, whiskeys and cigars at our summer ball. Um, it's my only ever time I've ever had either of those, whiskey or cigars. And here's and some facts it. about whiskey and cigars from Jim. <laughs> Jim, you've you've obviously you've obviously never been through a, a, a divorce or custody battle, so to, you know. to be to be fair, up until then he'd only ever had cause light. Yeah, cause light and a, a cheeky dib dab or something like that. That's a sweet. In case anyone knows what dib dab is, sounds a bit wrong. <laughs> um, but no, it it made me think of happier times where us four were together having fun. Oh, that's for. That's very sweet of you. I suppose, you know, I think that that's sort of the nice thing is that um, there is obviously this conversation about, you know, men's vulnerability and toxic masculinity and whatever. But I think when we sort of move towards towards the end of the film, there is kind of a, a let go of kind of men being, you know, you know, brotherhood and men being vulnerable to each other and opening up. Yeah, I, I so it, I just on that, that, bit um i read an interview with him and he was he was talking about uh jim cummings the director and the star of the movie he was talking about uh when this movie was screened i think i think in texas but i'm not i'm not too sure where it was um and he had these guys come up to him and say man that was that was really like emotional uh for me as a guy and he said oh do you mean the bit at uh, the end with with him watching um the the ballet and apparently these guys said, said no, 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 the bit where he gets drunk with his mate and he's talking to his mate, that was that really touched me. And there's a quote from him here. He said, uh, he thinks that it's, it's beautiful that these guys who are relatively inept at talking about emotions are able to find and uh, care for each other. Um, and that was a bit that apparently, I'm assuming some, uh, some tough macho guys in Texas who saw the movie uh, found the most emotionally endearing. Um, it def- I mean, I, it definitely. This is a movie for everyone. It's not just aimed at men, but it does deal with a lot of. Yeah. Mental health issues specifically for men, I think. Yeah. I I I yeah. Uh, just just before I let you go, Garen, but I just think I just want to quickly say about that Hamish that I know we're talking a lot about um, uh, sort of men's issues and stuff like that, but I think it is important to say that yeah, this is this is a film for everyone, like woman man or anything in between you know this is a a film about uh, about humans and 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 grief and dealing with that and uh yeah no no matter what how you feel it's it's definitely uh, a good one to watch sorry go ahead gary well we we see this a lot uh with uh when when the character meets his sister and they start talking about uh uh, his mother and it and it seems to be something that is quite common within his own family the fact that they won't talk to each other really and they won't get down to the the sort of brass tacks of the issue and seek that support from each other we learned that the the mother before her death she uh she realized that she couldn't uh perform this part in uh, in uh, in a ballet that uh, she really loved so she deliberately injured herself so uh, so she wouldn't be a deal. She wasn't able to communicate. She wasn't able to talk. And this is a surprise to this character because even though how close he was with his mother, this is something he was completely unaware of. His, his sister only found it out recently. The sister himself, uh, himself talks about uh, the issues she had growing up and feeling that uh, she wasn't as loved as as Jim, that she didn't receive uh, the fa- the family earlobe of, uh, of some uh, uh, yearings, I think. Sorry, so that, what did she get? Sorry, I missed that. <laughs> Shut up. So I apologize to any uh Welsh listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so uh going back to what I was saying as well, with his daughter we see this as well, and his daughter's quite withdrawn. She's going through a tough time at school, she's struggling with the teachers, which we see at a hilarious parents' evening. And uh um there's, there's, uh, I mean, there's the, the tragic bit, bit at the end where spoilers, uh, the mother uh, overdoses on drugs and uh, the daughter is the one who finds it. And instead of calling her father, she calls the police straight away. She doesn't even think about calling her father. And 
yeah, it's just this. Uh, uh, I'd love to go into this sort of uh, a bit deeper, the relationship between the father and daughter, because uh, there is there is so much there to unpack. But but from the general sense, it's, uh, I felt that a lot of it, it wasn't just a men's mental health issue. There is a mental health sh- issue shown between so many of these different characters. Well, why don't we um, why don't we go into that? Because I feel like before we're almost touching the ending and I do want to talk uh, a little bit about how, how, how the film ends. So let, let's let's. Uh, discuss the father-daughter thing and in particular i do want to say one of the favorite moments and jim was asking what what bits did i did you know you find funny that parents evening where he goes and he, the the door hasn't turned up the mother hasn't ta- ta- turned up <laughs> and uh they're having discussion which is which is obviously you know the the child's having issues and stuff like this and it's it's said before and that the father jim has dyslexia and it's revealed that maybe a daughter dyslexia and that's what starts and it's another panel attack and there's just a brilliant bit where he's just freaking out and he just stands up and he's still holding onto the table and sort of walking around awkwardly trying to have a have an argument with this guy holding a, a child's table and then he's and then it and then it's like fucking shit here tell me my daughter i'm sorry i swear it again and he's just like i'm gonna hum this so hard at you <laughs> i love the bit where he takes the scissors away the uh appearance evening the, yeah, the teacher yeah. <laughs> just yeah, subtly splits us apart. Jim, do you want to say something? No, yeah, the relationship between uh, father and daughter uh, was one of the uh, nicer points of the uh, of the film, really. And um, there's a section early on where she reluctantly goes to stay around his house, um, and um, she wants to bond with him, uh, and he wants to watch, uh, have dominoes and watch a film, but she wants to do this thing, a slap routine. I don't know what she calls it, but the um, the sort of like little high little hole thing a thing where they, they do patty the cake, ha- isn't it? Patty cake, cake. Pat cake, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, different uh, interpretations of it all over the place. Um, and because he, I don't know whether he puts it down to his dyslexia or maybe slightly dyspraxic, uh, but he just couldn't get his head around two slaps up, two slaps down, back of the hand sort of thing. Um, but um, when he, when the daughter's asleep, he makes it his mission to learn that routine and even draws little hands on a wall so you can practice during the night and i just thought that was a really nice touch about how to bond with your daughter i, I, I love that bit where you see the chair next to the mm. uh, the picture <laughs> of the hands on the wall it's just a really really sweet yeah. moment yeah it's very sweet. lots of sweet moments hamish yeah i think also that bit was kind of there was a sense that the daughter the daughter is a bit is a bit smarter than she lets on she's kind of she seems a bit wiser beyond her years in a lot of ways and that that scene where he fails at playing patty cake with her, but then in the next scene, she's like, let's do this again. Um, it's sort of, it, the scene kind of, and then after he does it successfully, she leans back and gives this really cute little smile, of kind of like, yeah, man, I'm proud of you. And I think it's a, that scene was just about the daughter showing like, look, it's kind of, things are weird at the minute, but I believe in you and I love you. And she really is his strength in a lot of ways uh, mm. I yeah I love that scene I thought it was really sweet um, and it was kind of this that wasn't as bad as things got in the movie that was quite early on that scene but it was a, it was a scene of that had to show I mean there's a reason why he he loves this his daughter so much it's not just because his daughter is that she's she's quite a great person and lifts him up yeah. when he she, when he needs it so yeah, there's there's this relationship between the father and daughter of which is sort of it begins right at the start of of the film of where she is kind of distanced to him and uh, well she's embarrassed of him isn't she she's embarrassed like, by him and 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 his yeah his his attempts to connect with her tend to fail more often than succeed. Jim, did you want to say something? Um, and, uh, just saying that he um, looks at her during the end of that first monologue and sort of picks her up because. She he it interprets her crying as being certainly to do with grief, uh, but, pr- uh, but most likely it was crying because her dad's embarrassing her at the front of this uh, <laughs> yeah. in this room. Um, but a, a point uh, going on from father uh, father and daughter relationship, um, I've got written down here is that there's a scene with him and Nate, uh, Jim and Nate, uh, where he says that he uh, takes the hair out of the vacuum cleaner and smells it because it smells like his daughter. Uh, no, his mum. His his, his mum, isn't it? Oh, his mum. His mum. Okay, then. Fair enough. I wasn't listening. But uh, either way, the, the actor. No, I think it's. I think it's his daughter. I thought, I thought it was his daughter. It's, yeah, yeah. Because he's cleaning the house. Yeah. He's cleaning his house because uh, the daughter can't see anymore. But I thought and it was she, I, just after he loses room. custody. 
But it, oh, yeah, either way, okay, it's, right. it's a it's a lovely uh, image to imagine how desperate a father would be to pick the hair out of a Hoover uh, to smell. Mm. That's that's a point that I wanted to come on to is that part of the reason why he this this I just want to talk a little bit about uh, the actor's performance in this because he he portrays desperation so well and he his range as an actor is really really great we talked earlier about how off-putting he is and you can un, you can you can sympathize with this character but you can also completely understand why a lot of the other characters can't engage with him he's he's almost impossible to kind of get close to because he is so emotionally stunted and that desperation is one of those things that just it's it just seeps out of him and it just makes him really really difficult to to deal with as a person basically um yeah, yeah i just wanted to mention that because yeah that's, that's... I, th- I think it's good I've, I've got that note down as well that uh we should talk about jim cummings performance because it is um you know that the, the, there was there was a point there's a point in it where i think i was kind of feeling a bit like oh you know knowing that he had written and directed it that it was oh a bit you know here's the jim cummings show this is his self-tape for you know all of hollywood but actually you know i have to admit it was it was absolutely a a, a brilliant performance and conveyed so many um different feelings and emotions in a very uh unique and uh I, I don't think i've really seen a performance like that before yeah i think we we, we had a we had a teacher in uh university i don't know if you guys had scott um i don't know if we need to bleep that out <laughs> whatever uh but he, i remember him talking once about the best writing is when form uh, perfectly meets content um, and I think that was something that was happening in this movie in that it, because Jim is the director, the writer and the star of the movie he's completely at the creative source, you know, I I, I like to think kind of actors quite often are uh, sort of almost like a labour force in a movie um, and then you've got the director or the writers who are the kind of architects. But I mean, the fact that he's all of these things means that all the intention was really, really on point. Um, every scene was just filled with focus and dedication. And I think that's why he's able to so well go from tragic to comedy in, in a dime. And it just like it, it happens in a second. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, really awesome. Yeah, it's really great. Um, I'm going to uh, move on to Garen and then to Jim because I can see they have points. But I just... In, 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 uh, we will move towards the end because I think we need to talk about the end just in, in, in terms of time. So, But first, uh, go, go ahead, Garen. What do you want to say? Well, one part I just wanted to, to, to mention was the, the fact that the character's name is Jim. And uh, you can see, with, with this being a film, written, directed, starring, and the actor's name... Jim, like it's uh, it is, um, and the fact that he's he's really you can tell he's really really poured his heart and soul into this. Uh, you can't but help but think there is some sort of autobiographical sort of uh, tones coming through that he, that perhaps he's building this on on experience or things like that. But it just it just makes it all that more powerful and personal. Yeah, yeah, I'd say yeah. so. Yeah, Jim. Yeah, uh, I. Uh, the Jim, our Jim. Uh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> Second Jim. Um, so, yeah, um, I've been getting in uh, to a lot of uh, uh, shows that have this, uh, been directed by the main actor in it. Um, and uh, I'll name drop slightly if I can. Uh, and so I was lucky enough to work on um, a BBC show called This Country, which uh, I'm hoping a lot of people know. Um, and it was uh, written and starred, uh, starred by Daisy Cooper. Uh, Daisy May Cooper, who is uh, now an Instagram sensation because she's just so funny, and I think the positives with close, writing... close friend Daisy May Cooper. Yeah, I know, I know, his, I know his DM. Just listen to Jim Strand. Yeah, uh, no, I'm joking. Um, but um, I've lost my point now. I'm getting back on it now. Um, when you see someone that has has got their own vision, and they they are that role. Um, it's so much different to when writers put their two P's in and just change certain things. And you can see if, a, if an actor is just genuinely believing what they're saying. And, uh, and I think that was the point that Hamish yeah. was, was making there. Each, each intention was just spot on how yeah. you would portray it. So I, yeah. I, I read a little bit about how he directed this. I mean, he, he sounds like he's a very uh, 
controlling uh, director, which is fine. I think that's you know this is his baby. He he wanted to make sure it was re- made uh, the way that he wanted it to be. So his uh, his way of directing this was uh, he recorded the entire script himself um, uh, as a as a sort of like a just a, an audio recording, or he got together with his group and did that as well. And then he sent them prior to any filming. He sent them videos of himself playing each character and saying, mm. "This is kind of what I think it. I, I want this character to be." And he said that was so that everyone turned up on the day and knew basically what his vision was. And he had a real creative control of this. And it's a, that's that makes all the difference when artists have yeah. complete creative control. That, they don't have producers jumping in or yeah. whoever jumping in. That was my random. That was my random fact of of today that he uh, sent off uh, the audio clip of him yeah. doing all the voices. Um, sorry mate it's all right we'll cut you out of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think i think that's that that i i didn't know that and that just makes complete sense because one of the things one of the notes i put down that we could talk about was that the fact of what an indie film that a, a big budget film can't do and i think that's a, a, yeah. a clear a clear case of, of sort of the con- creative control that an indie film has over a, a a big budget film full of producers and 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 financiers and stuff like that let's because i know we're getting towards the end why don't we just talk uh about the ending um i'll just set up what happens and then people can rattle off what they think um so towards the, end of the film um the character jim as sort of one of his lowest moments uh has been kind of brought up by nate but um still pretty low he has to be brought to the house of his ex-wife. His daughter's had to call the police because his ex-wife has overdosed and, uh, well, died. And the film sort of ends with this um, connection between him and his daughter and him. Uh, you know, that kind of feeling of like, OK, now it is just him. He has to raise this person. And the ve- the very final scene, just after the scene of his ex-wife dying, is them going to see? We've talked about um, dancing a lot in this, uh, you know, with, it, with the character's mother and, and and himself as well. The very final scene is um, him and his daughter going to see a ballet performance, and the daughter leans forward, very engaged, and again, the character of Jim sort of breaks down, and this kind of almost, you know, awe of the dancing and his daughter kind of embracing it as well. So. We're going to go around, we're going to go Hamish, Garen, Jim, all right? So, Hamish, why don't you start? Um, yeah, that... Uh, just first of all, I wanted to ask, did any, did any of you shed a tear? I, I, oh, yeah. I, yeah. Cry, I cry at every film. I cry at every <laughs> film. I cry at Baby Geniuses. Jim's shaking his head. Jim Jim didn't cry. It's too manly. I've, I've only ever cried at Up, all right? You've got to be vulnerable, mate. <laughs> I, um, I, yeah, I, I shed a tear I, both times I've watched it, I, I shed a tear at that last scene. It's just, um, I think it taps into. I, I someone told me a phrase recently ex- explained to me is this idea of uh, what's called liminal space, uh, which is liminal space is, is describing that kind of that time between uh, what was and what will be when you're on the verge of quite enormous momentous change and. I think the whole film perfectly captures that and that ending in particular is when you really feel like the the main character Jim is on is on the verge of this I don't think we have see him have this uh existential change but we see him just as he's about to make make some real change and it it is a really heartwarming optimistic ending um and it's the first time we see i mean we see him cry a lot in the movie but this is the first time where it feels like his emotional breakdown is actually quite a healthy thing yeah. really lovely ending um and lovely. the score is really great as well um yeah the score to to see us off to the end of the film was um uh, an instrumental of skinny love by bon iver is that how you said bon iver, bon iver. Bon iver. yeah uh, well the original is by bon iver yeah yeah. Um, oh, is it not? Yeah, and I. Oh wait, no, wait, no. Maybe it's not. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry, I, carry I, on. I I'm think it is. Out. Yeah, I think it is. And I, I didn't like it. 
Um, I thought there's plenty of other stuff to do than have modern pop music. There's they only really have two backing tracks in the whole piece, none of which is Bruce Springsteen. That may I add as a as a fact. Um, but he tried uh, he tried to get uh, Thunder Road, but he couldn't get the rights. They they get it. He he actually has it in the uh, the short twelve minute version. Um, yeah, before. and then they told him he had to pay. They told mm. so they then afterwards saw that movie and told him he had to pay them a lot of money <laughs> to use it again. So he was like, I'm not using that again. Screw that. But, um, so Jim, yeah, what, sk- what, won't you like it? Just skinny, skinny love. Um, uh, now I, I can't. Speak, I'm not in the mind of Bonnie but um, for me that's a love song. Uh, and although you love your your little daughter, I just thought it's too mainstream for what they're trying to go. The little niche independent market. It's a too well known song. I just thought they missed the point on that. Okay, controversial opinion. Go on then, Garen. Well, See us the end. I, I have nothing to really talk about the musical direction of the uh, the final bit. What I want to talk about is, uh, and I touched on about this before with the, the relationship to, between the uh, the father and the daughter, but this uh, this bit uh, just after the corpse corpse slap, which I can't believe you haven't mentioned yet, Ed, where he yeah, slaps we missed a that. We d- yeah, he well, that, I was hoping someone would mention the because uh, <laughs> I was talking about the ending. Someone would bring up the course. Go, go on, then, Garen. Well, when bring he when, when he finds it, it's this sort of anger that he has, and and really it is it is this last bit where where Henry said you see this character sort of take in charge and being the most in control that he has been the entire film, and he finds his wife dead, the daughter as was the one who called it in, and he just has this so much anger that his wife did this to his daughter that she's set her on this path where she all she, she's going to grow up without a mum she's going to have all this anxiety she's going to really be affected by this and uh so so he slaps the corpse in the, in, a, in a fit of anger but he, he does kisses her but, hand before but he does give her a kiss, he kisses her hand before and he says yeah, yeah. It's, it's, been a, it, you were, you were a great mother and this is, here's for that and then he says this is from me, my mum, and Crystal's future husband. He just slaps yeah. the corpse. It, 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 it talks a lot to the relationships he's had in the past and, and, and what has led him to sort of the issues that he has now. But uh, there's this really lovely scene with him and his, his daughter. And throughout the film, we've had characters not talking about uh, any mental health issues. They, they, they're just uh, they're withdrawing, trying to deal with it themselves. But he's, he talks to his daughter. He's, he is, it's like an attitude of this must change. This must be different. And he says to his daughter, it's going to be painful and we may need to talk to some people. And it's only it's only one line, but it just means that there is now this openness that he has grown, that there has been development throughout yeah. the film. And it, I, I, honestly, that is the point with me when I started to, to tear up because it was it was a really, really beautiful yeah. moment between father and daughter. Yeah, it's, it's him admitting, like, I can't do this on my own. I'm not equipped to yeah. do this. We're going to need some help. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a sweet moment. It's very good. Well, I, I, I'm, glad, I'm glad we've had so much talk about it. I feel like we could have talked even further about it but i'm i'm concerned about the time and that people listening will uh be slowly oh go on jim I've have got, you got one more thing i've just got one go uh, on. i've changed my <laughs> random fact because hamish rudely took it um and uh jim cummings right is also the name of the person who voiced winnie the pooh and tigger and the tasmanian devil so please do not think that the jim cummings we we're on about is uh the one that voiced winnie the pooh garen <laughs> so 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 can i have a little fact i've got a little fact too oh god well the, the other one was so uh, brilliant obviously i don't know why we need to hear that but <laughs> well, i've got i've got a fact go i've got a fact does anyone else have a point of fact that no one needs to know about i've got a little fact i've got i've got my fact hey michelle i'm i'm yeah, my yeah. fact, um, fact. <laughs> so uh this film was actually really liked by nicholas cage he apparently really he really likes weird shit film. though yeah but i've got a fact I've got okay, go on. Everyone's doing facts now. Go on, Hamish. Do you have your fact? Kangaroos can decide the gender of their baby. Okay, great. Okay, now we're going to move on to the scoring of uh, what is no, 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 Jim. Put your fucking hands. I up. just want to say that, that James, one. James is short for Jim. Not many people know no, that. No, they reference it. Yeah, yeah. Shut up. Let me finish this episode. Let me fucking. We're going to do this. The scoring and the ranking. This is always. Gonna, this is already our longest one so far. Um, the ranking's the best bit. The rank is, again. This could go on for fifteen minutes. Um, so uh, Hamish, you chose a film, so you uh, you start us off with what your score uh, I, out of a hundred is. I know I got into some trouble uh, last uh, episode for saying hundreds. Uh, that was that was tactical 
I said 100. I did enjoy The Lighthouse quite a lot. But I am going to say 100 again for this movie. Oh, for God's sake. Why? <sighs> I really, I really, really love this movie. I mean, it, like, if, if we're saying that 100 is, like, one of our favourite movies, 100, I'm giving this movie 100. Uh, 100 is, I, I'm not, is I'm faultless. Not, yeah. I, 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 well, there's no such thing as faultless. Then there's don't no give such it 100, then. <laughs> <laughs> But then it's an arbitrary, it's an arbitrary scale anyway. Well, it is. Well, look. I think I thought our point was at the beginning of the scale is that like an eight, an eight, an A star, or like a first, whatever is like what, like an eighty, something like that, and that's like really good. Okay, so that's like the best films around like the eighty, ninety mm-hmm. mark. So you're giving this a hundred, like this is completely without fault. I'm, I'm no, I'm not saying objectively it's completely out at not without fault. I'm saying okay. In terms of could I... I don't think there's a movie I could enjoy more than All this. All right, Hamish, fine, 100. I'm sick of you. 100, fine. If you uh, want to move it on to an A-star, F, D, no, whatever, no, we can do that as well. But I'm Hamish, just saying, for me, no, I, no. I love this movie. I, you want you want you want to fuck with the system? You can fuck with the system, all right? It's fine. I you're you're, you're Reddit, and we're game, and we're 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 all the Wall Street brokers. Can I just say that, so, uh, <laughs> that uh, last week Hamish made a, a wager with Garen to say that his movie would finish top. And is given it a hundred. <laughs> yeah, is that you're you're manipulating the market right now, uh, right, <laughs> Jim? Um, uh, can someone have that calculator out, by the way, Jim? What's your score? Yeah, I've got my calculator out as well. Um, so I was in a bit of a tricky situation, lads, um, and I I enjoyed the piece. Don't get me wrong, and I would recommend uh, anyone to watch the performance, but I just didn't I didn't hit hit the notes for me. Didn't hit my G spot. Um, so what? I'm gonna. It's better than Baby Genius. It's it's better than Haunted Mansion. I feel which gave what fifty or something. Yeah, it's better than Haunted Mansion. <laughs> yeah, he gave it's... he gave Baby Geniuses fifty. <laughs> give him shit. Don't give me shit. That was fucking. Uh, if anyone's fucking up the ranking system, it's him. Baby Genius fifty. Sorry. It's middle of the road. Um, and uh, it was it's better than what uh, the Lighthouse. Um, I, I obviously I preferred Molly's game. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give it a fifty-seven. 57. Oh, 57. oh my god. Jim, your, your grouping of your scores is going to get so tight. Yeah. <laughs> right, Garen. One. What? No, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, uh, we uh, we, uh, we got a bit of a, a bit of a heated d- debate last time around and uh, uh, we both were thinking tactically. But this week I'm going to be truly honest and say that I loved this film. I really, really did. And while... Uh, I agree with Hamish that scales are arbitrary. I still feel like no film is a hundred, so I'm going to be giving it an an eighty-seven. What would push it to far. like? In, what would push it into its nineties? But we'll find out in later episodes, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, I I just want to be clear and scientific scientific about this, and uh, you guys are fucking with my system, <laughs> all right? Um, but I'm going to be honest. Um, I I did like this film. However, uh, you know, it didn't, it didn't, The yeah, everything we talked about has been pretty positive about this film. It's, it's, it is a great film, but it's not, it's not a film that grabs me. It's not a film that I want to go back and watch. I think it's a very interesting film. I think other people should watch it, but it's not, ah, uh, oh God, is it, is it, is it, we're getting to that point of like that kind of thing that's not quite tangible about a film, which is really why you like it. And so do you, do you not see this as having sort of rewatch value for you? No, really? well maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, okay. maybe I'm wrong in saying that I wouldn't go watch it again. But I'm just saying it didn't have that kind of thing that really grabs me that which a great film does. I I don't think I like this film as I much as as much as I liked our la- the last film, which was the Lighthouse, and I okay. gave that a seventy one. So I am going to give this film. Okay, I'm going to give this film. A 60, 64. Wow. Wow, that's quite, that's, that's quite so, low from you, Ed. Yeah, that's quite, that's... Just no, that's the highest score. That's a, apart, apart from Lighthouse, that's the highest score given so far. Just to confirm, so got, 100, 100 from Hamish, a, um, what did Garen give it? 87. 87, 57 from me, and a, what from Ed? 64. 64 brings it to 308. Which divided by four, at uh, seventy-seven. Seventy-seven. What a perfect seventy-seven. Perfect seventy-seven. Yeah, that's that's the hundred for you. What, what's what's the bingo for that? What's that in bingo, Jim? Uh, 
77, legs 11, 77. Um, don't know if I think legs, legs 11. Legs, legs 11. Um, <laughs> well, I will say that... I'll t- tell you what one person will know is that my dad, so I'm going to shout for him quickly. Dad? Okay. Well... <laughs> I'm keeping this in. <laughs> Every, everyone, everyone, call your dads. Find out. He's got it. He's, he's okay. This is great. Well, I will say why. Uh, no, I'll wait for him to come back. Go on. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it. Go I've got it. Seven, yeah. 77 in bingo I shouted da- uh, down to my dad I said what's um, 77 he said two crutches <laughs> so two <laughs> crutches uh, two crutches well a score of 77 does beat Molly's game which is at the top of our ranking leaderboard um, to number one spot uh, yes game, I think it was at 66.5 yep and uh, this nice. one 77 is the best film so far of all time that we have watched within this podcast that we think uh, uh, in our own views, but it was also uh, scientific, and everyone should take it as gospel. I um, will, I will say that if I could now take back the hundred I gave to Lighthouse. Oh no, Hamish! Operates. I would, I would. I made a decision then. This for me is a hundred. If that was tactical, obviously but, the podcast you can't see the video version. But Hamish got a coin that says uh, zero or a hundred, and he cut and he tosses it <laughs> and sees if he likes it. Lands on hundred. He gives it that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, at some point, Hamish, you're going to have to, you know, be sensible about this. And with that, with that 100, you've shot yourself in the foot. Um, thank you all so much. Next film. For watching. My film. For listening. <laughs> and what film? Yeah, what film? Before I say goodbye to everyone. <laughs> strike two, Ed. Strike hey, two, three, and you're out. Strike two, mate. Don't, look, you don't strike, know what I was going to say strike now. Strike three and Jim takes over. Yeah, oh Christ, that was awful last week. We can literally see you taking your headphones off. You're like, all right, I'm almost done with this shit. <laughs> okay, look, I'm going to finish that sentence, which is obviously what I was going to say. Thank you so much for listening. Wait until you hear what we're going to do next time, because you're going to want to listen to that. Garen, you're in charge of our next film suggestion. Please, please, please let it, let it not star Eddie Murphy. <laughs> well, it was... No, it was, like, it was a, <laughs> Such such gold films. Coming to America. It was it was <laughs> it was a, a toss up for me <laughs> between between two films, and I was thinking, do I give you guys a nice one or a nasty one? And uh, it's not punishments. This is things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I happened to spend an hour on a call with you, Jim. Christ. Oh, uh, <laughs> Um, so I thought, because we had a nice conversation today and we had a nice film last time, I'll give you guys a nice film as well. So uh, I've chosen the 2016 film Hell or High Water with Jeff Bridges. I, I watched this over Christmas. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, I think you guys would too. Lovely. Hell or High Water. God, we're going to have such a string of lovely conversation. Um, thank you for so much for listening. I hope you tune in to the next one where we do Hell or High Water. Um, whenever, where you're listening to this, whether it be Spotify, Google Playlist, Podcasts or, or anything else, rate, subscribe. I don't really know how it works. It's one of those, uh, or do your thing. Tell your friends. Tell, tell your mum. Tell your dad. Tell Jim's mum. Yeah, because uh, I know you're, you're gonna you're gonna be don't gonna be... don't tell Jim's dad though. Uh, he's no. he's too busy playing bingo. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Thank you guys. Bye bye.